So last time that we met, we talked about sacraments, and um, we talked about how sacraments are encounters with Christ. They're efficacious signs of grace. Uh, so that means that they're signs which cause that which they signify. Um, and we looked at different places in the scriptures, for example, where, uh, where the Lord uh, heals people, where he, uh, he institutes the Eucharist and different things like that. Um, in particular, we, we looked at um, some of the things that looked for baptism and confirmation last time. So does anyone remember some of those, uh, those moments in the gospel? So if you, if you know them, just go ahead and shout them out. What are some moments where uh, the Lord uh, kind of, where we see this kind of played out in the scriptures? Any moments of healing or, or uh, that kind of thing? Any particular stories that come to mind? Or did he, what miracles did we talk about last time? Pentecost. Okay, Pentecost. Good. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, and what happened at Pentecost? Descending of the Holy Ghost. The descending of the Holy Spirit, right? Yep. Good. What else? The wedding at Cana. The wedding at Cana. What happened at the wedding at Cana? Jesus turned the water into wine. Good. Yeah. This is John chapter 2. Uh, what else? What other miracles did the Lord do? Yeah, right. So, yeah. So, yeah, just, just keep going. What, was it, what happened there? There's a man on a mat, and he asked the man, do you, do you want to walk? And do you wish to be healed? Sort of mumbles a little bit. Yeah. And asked him again, do you want to walk? Yeah, good. Yeah, and then, then uh, he, he heals him, right, by, by touching him. Um, what else? Multiplying the bread of the fish. Good, yeah. So he takes bread, he blesses it, he breaks it, and he gives it. Uh, they all ate and they were satisfied. Uh, the, the point being, right, that in all of the miracles of Christ, nearly all of them, uh, Christ uses uh, things, right? He uses stuff, matter, in order to, to signify the grace that he's conveying in some way. Um, and so we talked about how uh, every sacrament has some sort of sign, right, associated with it. And that sign is made up of matter and form, right? So the matter is the stuff. The form is the words, and uh, it, the, the matter, um, so like washing with water, that's what we're going to talk about today um, in baptism, uh, and the words combine to make this sign, which points to that which it is actually happening, right? The sign causes the grace. So uh, today, we want to dive a little bit more deeply into a specific sacrament, the first sacrament, the sacrament that's necessary for salvation called baptism. Baptism, right? So um, when we talk about baptism, we're beginning to talk about what are known as the sacraments of initiation. And these are particularly important for all of y'all who are going to be coming into the church um, because uh, you'll be receiving... uh, if, if you're not part of the church right now, you'll be receiving at least two of these. Um, if you're uh, not baptized yet, you'll be receiving three of the sacraments of initiation. So the sacraments of initiation are baptism, confirmation, and the Holy Eucharist. So you think about this. Uh, these are laying the foundations of spiritual life. Um, they're nourishing spiritual life. They're bringing to maturity spiritual life. So um, baptism is the initial uh, gift of sanctifying grace in our life, right? It's that by which we become a child, a son or daughter of God. Original sin is washed away. We talked about, Father David talked about um, sin in the fall a long time ago, right? 
and how Christ came to conquer sin. Well, this is the application of the passion of Christ, like the, the, the merits that Christ won for us on the cross to our life. Um, and we're reborn as children of God um, in baptism, in confirmation that rebirth is brought to maturity. So we're able to spread and defend the faith. We're going to talk about confirmation next time. And in the Eucharist, uh, we receive nourishment for the journey. We participate in a foretaste of the mystery that we'll participate in, in for all eternity in heaven in the Eucharist. So why is this sacrament called baptism? Baptism comes from the Greek word, or the Greek verb, baptizin, uh, which means to plunge or to immerse. So there's two ways, actually, you can baptize someone. One of them is what you typically see in a Catholic church, where you pour water over their head, right? We pour water over their head three times, say, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. But in the early church, it was much more common to actually immerse the person in water. So you would take them and dunk them, right? Uh, and, uh, and, you know, there's kind of a, a, a symbolism there, a call there. Um, so you think about plunging or going down into the water. In some of the early baptistries they've, they've found, there was actually a staircase where they would go down and then a staircase where they would come out of the water. Um, and this symbolizes dying with Christ, the death of Christ and his resur- then the rising into new life. You go down into the water, come out of the water. Think about water uh, is a sign of both um, life and um, death, right? We need water in order to survive. Without water, (laughs) there's no life as far as we know in the universe. Um, But at the same time, water, you think about like Hurricane Harvey or water out in the middle of the sea and you're in the, the midst of the sea and like water's dangerous, <laughs> something that uh, can cause uh, a lot of death. Um, so that's one kind of part of the symbolism of water within, or, uh, within, um, within the sacrament. Also, of course, then we have like a specific symbolism uh, within baptism, which is specified through the words uh, of the form, right? I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Um, it's water under the mode of washing and regeneration and renewal. It symbolizes the washing away of sin and brings about the birth of water in the Spirit without which no one can enter the kingdom of God. So you think about what you use water for, life, um, and then cleaning, mostly. Um, so you pour water, you cleanse the child or the person being baptized. So we already kind of touched on this, the matter in the form of the sacrament. The matter is water, uh, and specifically under the aspect of its use for washing. So you go down into the water, the water is poured over you, and that, that is, is um, the matter of the sacrament. The form is the Trinitarian formula. So I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Um, so what are, what, is, what are baptism's effects? I already kind of 
talked about this at the beginning. The sacrament um, imparts a particular character to the soul. It makes you a son or a daughter of God. Um, a character is, um, is like a mark, right? Um, you can kind of think of it like an invisible tattoo on the soul, right? The soul is not a material thing, but that's just like an analogy to help us understand. Um, it's an indelible character. So indelible means it can't be taken away ever, right? There's no, there's no way that someone who has been baptized can somehow not, not be, have the character of one who's already been baptized. Um, and this is the reason that no one can be baptized twice. It's also the reason that um, if you were already baptized, we're not going to, and, and presumably validly, we're not going to baptize you again unless there was a, a serious doubt about your baptism, unless it wasn't in the Trinitarian formula or something like that, right? Okay, so um, that character, uh, which makes you a son or a daughter, uh, and we're going to talk more about that a little bit later in the, in the, in the class, um, also allows you to receive all of the other sacraments. And uh, in the words of the baptismal liturgy, um, to be able to call upon God as Father in the midst of the church. To call upon God as Father in the midst of the church. Um, we don't, we don't, um, and we talked about this in prayer, we don't call upon God as Father, uh, we don't say my Father, right? we say our Father. The reason for that is we always go to God through Christ. And baptism unites us to the mystical body of Christ, making us one with him and thus able to call upon God in the midst of the church. And the second part of the effects of baptism, so one is incorporating us into the mystical body of Christ, making us thereby a son or a daughter uh, of the Father. The second effect of baptism, primary effect of baptism, um, is the washing away of sin. So uh, we're cleansed of original sin. You remember that original sin is that sin and all actual sin that we've committed as well. But, um, sorry, I'm thinking of, of a little baby. But um, if you're an adult, um, there, you've made, you've chosen things sometimes perhaps that are, that are not good, um, that are sinful, um, your actual sins will be cleansed as well. So the sins that you've committed. Original sin is that sin that we inherit um, as ones who are born of, uh, of those who, who have sinned. Okay. Are there any questions at this point? Just wanna, before we go any further. Okay. Very good. So who can give baptism? Who can confer baptism? Um, well, it's certainly a bishop, a priest, uh, a deacon. These are the ordinary ministers of baptism in the church. Um, in emergencies, though, this is kind of a, a neat little Catholic trivia fact. Um, anyone can baptize if they have the intention to carry out what the church intends. This is also why if you were baptized in a Protestant tradition, um, your baptism is valid as long as the, the person used the Trinitarian formula, used water, and intended to baptize you according to the Lord's command. That's, that's why your baptism is valid um, in that. Um, so... Uh, that's only in emergencies, right? <laughs> you should not go about baptizing people, uh, and you certainly do, shouldn't do that without their consent if they're an adult. Um, and if, uh, 
yeah, if, if you have a question whether you should, uh, <laughs> let's say, let's put it this way. If there's enough time for you to ask the question, uh, should, should, is this actually allowable for me to do? It's probably not an emergency, and you should probably just call a priest. Um, but uh, but it, it, there are could could be some cases. I actually have a friend whose um, whose child was was uh, was born, and they didn't know if the child would survive. Um, and he he just baptized his kid on the spot. So that's probably the most common case. And I'm looking at our doctors here, um, or almost our doctor and our almost doctor. Um, yeah, <laughs> there we go. Well, you're sort you're you're like in the middle, um, so uh, uh, yeah. So you pay attention to that, and um, yeah. So those those are kind of the things there. Okay. So one thing that we want to touch on, um, just kind of in closing, this is a short little conversation, um, and if you have questions, I want to answer them. Um, uh, that can be a kind of a sticking point is infant baptism, right? So in many uh, traditions. Um, there's not a practice of, um, of baptizing infants. Um, now, the Catholic Church has baptized infants since the very beginning. Right? You look in, in Acts, uh, the Acts of the Apostles, and you see that entire families came into Christ. Entire families were born um, or were reborn through baptism. It doesn't explicitly say that, but... Uh, I mean, certainly that's the implication when it says an entire family came in, that there were children, that there were uh, those who didn't have the, the use of reason, um, who are infants. Um, and this is why we baptize. This is how the Catechism puts it. Born with a fallen nature and tainted by original sin, children also have need of the new birth in baptism to be freed from the powers of darkness and brought into the realm of freedom of the children of God. Um, so you think of the little baby, right? Um, and we recognize that that baby can't uh, commit actual sin, right? Actual sin is that sin that you, you like choose to do. That little baby can't sin because the little baby can't choose, right? So he can't choose to sin. Um, and, but nevertheless, um, human nature is wounded. There's something missing that should have been there which is this state of original justice um, that Adam and Eve had and lost. That should have been passed down uh, to their, uh, their sons and daughters and all the way down to us. But it's not, right? This is the, the, the miserable state into which uh, we're, we're born. I use that kind of as like miserable in the sense of like um, low, right? Like there's something that's missing that should be there. So uh, to deny, uh, if the church were to say, no, we're not going to baptize anyone um, until they can choose to be baptized, it would be denying the child the priceless grace of becoming a child of God um, immediately after birth. Now, you think about this. um, Parents make all sorts of decisions for their kids uh, that have effects on their children long before the children can choose anything, right? Um, for example, uh, you talk to your kids, and that determines even before the ki- the children are born. You you like speak in a certain language, and that determines what language that they're able to to speak in. Um, they don't choose that, right? Um, you dress them in a certain way, and that that like 
disposes them uh, to a certain cultural style of dress. Um, you teach them manners before they can know really why they should have manners, right? No, you may not uh, just eat with your hands for your entire life. You're four years old. You're capable of holding a fork. This is, um, this is what my, my brother and sister-in-law are teaching my, my nephew a little bit, right? Um, there's, it's really funny because sometimes um, they really want to use the fork and sometimes it's like, <laughs> I don't want anything to do with that. My hands are much easier. Um, uh, or you think about, um, you know, all of these things that we teach kids long before they can choose. Even like school, um, like no five-year-old wants to go to school initially. The, the, trust me, the first day of school here, uh, last semester, it's rough for those five-year-olds. They're like, I don't want to be here. Um, but we know that it's the right thing. So uh, we, give, we give all these gifts and, uh, to, to our children. And this is likewise a gift that we give to our, our kids um, as the church, right? It's the best gift that you as a parent, if you're a parent, could give to your children um, possibly is to, to have them baptized. Um, so that's kind of the, the rationale be, behind infant baptism. Um, that's what I want to say about baptism today. I know it's, it's rather short, but I think that gives a, a, a basic outline of, of what it is and, uh, and that kind of thing. Um, and then if you have questions, I want to answer those questions. Does anyone have any questions? Today. Yeah, Nate? Uh, can you summarize again maybe why um, baptism is good to give uh, to infants, um, but something like confirmation or Eucharist is uh, not? Good, yeah. Um, so that's a great question. Uh, and there is a tradition in the Eastern Church. Um, so like which it, some parts of the Eastern Church are in communion with, with the Roman Church. Um, to, to actually give all three sacraments of initiation right off the bat. Um, so there's a, a couple things at play here. One um, is that the original minister of confirmation is the, the bishop. The bishop is the original minister of confirmation. He's also the original minister of baptism. But baptism is necessary for salvation, whereas confirmation and the Eucharist are not necessary for salvation, strictly speaking. Um, baptism, like, if you're, if you have the use of reason, and you chose against baptism, like knowing that you, that it, what it was, like, you you would that would that would put your salvation in jeopardy, right? Um, but even if you don't have the the use of reason, it's necessary for salvation. Um, so that's one thing. Uh, and then the 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 bishop being the original minister in the Latin Church. Um, so that's the Western. If you think about like the Roman Empire um, back in, in the early, there's like the western half of the Roman Empire and the eastern half of the Roman Empire. Basically, when I say west and east, that's what I mean. Um, so in the Roman Catholic Church, it became the practice to delay as the, as the church grew um, because it was impossible for the bishop to personally administer the sacrament of baptism to every, to every person, right, to every baby. It would be impossible for Bishop Vasquez to, to baptize every baby um, uh, right after birth. 
And because of the necessity of salvation, they said, we're going to baptize the, the kids and then we're going to delay, uh, we're going to delay confirmation until the bishop comes, right? Then it became uh, like a little bit later. Uh, so the use of, typically it was after the age of reason. That's what the practice is now uh, for confirmation because confirmation um, is ordered to maturity in the faith, right? It doesn't mean like you're a mature adult human being or something like that. A little seven-year-old who receives confirmation <coughs> is not a mature human being. But uh, it, it, is, um, it makes one capable of actively defending and sp- spreading the faith, witnessing to the faith. Um, and so it's fitting that, uh, that one have the use of reason for, for that. Like it's a, it's a more fitting sign um, it more clearly implicate or shows forth um, that reality, and the bishop um, can then also give. In most cases, can give confirmation. Not in all cases, um, right? John, I confirmed you, right? Like, so <laughs> he give, but I confirmed you because the bishop's given me the faculty to to be able to confirm those who receive, uh, who are received into the church. Um, but in like the normal course of things, the bishop would be the one confirming. So those are a couple of reasons. Father Doug, are there any other particular reasons that you would mention? Well, just that we do get confirmation. It depends ah. if they're in danger of death. Yeah. Um, so like if an infant is in danger of dying, the priest who baptizes will confirm him at the same time so that he, so he doesn't depart this world without the truth of that sacrament. Yeah. Um, but I think otherwise probably another reason why we delay is because uh, even though the sacraments, the sacraments that infants can receive... Uh, can benefit them even in infancy by giving them the grace of God, but there's a uh, there's a certain spiritual value to their being able to understand what they're receiving when they receive it, and it can be a it can be a moment that um, helps kind of catalyze their spiritual life. So that's another that's another motive to delay um, some of the sacraments that infants could receive until they're a little bit older, so that they can understand what they're receiving. That's good. Any other questions? Even even the Eucharist uh, would give to infants in danger of death if they were old enough to um, to like be able to at least distinguish it from ordinary food yeah. and realize that it was something sacred, even if they didn't really understand that. Yeah. So it would be important. Uh, when we use the word infant in the church, we mean anyone who's unable to, to reason, right? Like who, who lacks the habitual faculty of reason, basically. So... Other questions? That was a good question. Yep. If an infant dies before being able to be baptized, their soul's in jeopardy? Yeah, so what the church says is um, that we, we, um, we know that God is merciful, right? And that he's good. Um, uh, and, that we know, and we know that the Lord commands us um, that's, that baptism is necessary for salvation, right? Um, so we don't know. That's we can hope, right? We can hope for the salvation, or we can hope that um, that uh, the child is in a place where there's no no pain because there's no actual sin from them. But there's like there is original sin, right? And so um, there's a punishment or a loss that's due to original sin. Um, there's an excellent um, discussion of that. That um, if you'd like to learn more, I can can point you to. Yeah. Let's say someone goes through their whole life mm-hmm. and 
within it the last day or the last couple of days. Mm -hmm. They'd be baptized right before their last few days before they die. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if someone asks for baptism, as long as they're still alive, they can be baptized. So, but you should not delay. Right? Don't delay. If if the Lord is calling you to baptism, be baptized. Like, if the Lord is calling you, <laughs> go, right? Um, A, because, I mean, right? One, uh, because it would, delayed obedience is disobedience. And B, um, you know, you may not be able to choose. And it's the same thing if you if you're ever to fall sick, right? Like really badly sick, not not just a little sick, but like I could die sick. Call the priest then. Don't don't wait like until you're like <laughs> I'm about to to like really die. You know what I mean? Like um, have your family like call the priest then. Go to confession. If you're gonna go have surgery, go to confession before so don't delay Um, I heard a story once a a seminary professor um, told me that um, you know there's this guy who who basically was playing that that game like he knew that he should be baptized and just but was like I'm going to wait because I want to I don't want to change my life and um, and then eventually he got like habituated to vice Right? I mean, and and um, didn't didn't turn back, right? Like on, on his deathbed, he wanted he sort of wanted to turn towards God, but he just he said, "I can't, I can't, I can't do it." So um, it's a real thing. Right? Um, the Lord gives grace; act on it. Okay. Other questions? Cool. Excellent. Okay, guys. Well, we're out of time anyway. If you have individual questions, uh, feel free to to grab me or Father Doug and ask. Um, Be around uh, for a couple minutes afterwards. Have some more food. Thank you uh, to Veronica for bringing that. Um, Veronica Vasquez has been bringing all the food for the past like month. She's she's not here. She's like um, she's just this awesome lady who loves y'all and wants you to to know that the church loves you. Um, and so she's provided this food for y'all. Um, she is a part of a, a ministry uh, at another parish, um, which is called, and I can't remember right now, of course, uh, Christ Child, like the Christ Child campaign or something like that. Christ Child Society. Um, and they, uh, they like get um, stuff together for uh, children and teenagers um, like hygiene bags and um, help moms who are who are expecting who are in kind of crisis pregnancy situations and different things like that as well. Um, and she, uh, there's been an increased need because of the whole pandemic situation recently. Um, they usually give out like 300 hygiene bags a year from their stuff, and they've been asked by the school district that they provide these to 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 get 600 this year. Um, so uh, she just mentioned that to me, and I, I wanted to, to um, invite you. I'm going to send you all a link later um, this week um, with kind of a list of things uh, that she needs, that they need, that these children need, um, and invite you um, to practice the virtue of charity right, and, and generosity and um, you know, offer um, some either kind of financial or, or in-kind donation or something like that um, to help um, 
to help her out, um, to help them out. Um, so if that's, uh, yeah, I just want to place that out there, let you know to be on the lookout for that this week. The other announcement, um, this Sunday uh, we'll have Catholic 101 at 9, I'm sorry, 10.45 a.m., 10.45 a.m. So this is kind of like a little bit of a Bible study, um, and particularly this week we're going to be focusing on community. Um, and uh, we'll be talking a little bit about baptism because it's the baptism of the Lord and that kind of thing. That'll be in the library, um, and uh, you can, so that's over across the campus. Um, if you don't know where the library is, you can always ask. Uh, Victor's always hanging out uh, on Sunday morning, so you can ask Victor, um, and he'd be happy to show you where that is. Um, am I missing anything else? Like to join for the 9:30 a.m. mass and then go to Catholic 101 because oh, there's food, so it's just kind of a good opportunity to go to Sunday mass and then <clears throat> yeah, just meet people and discuss the Bible. Yeah, and if you have friends that want to come, right? Like, bring them on. Everyone's welcome. So there's no uh, you don't have to sign up. You don't have to do anything. Just just bring them on. Okay, good. Uh, any other questions, final questions, Any, any uh, anything about those announcements that you guys um, have any questions about? Great. Okay, good. We'll see you all next week. Um, let's pray and go home. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Gracious God, thank you so much for the um, gift of life and for the day that we've been given. As we draw to the end of this day, thank you for calling us um, to worship you and to uh, give you glory every day. Um, Lord, we pray that um, that those who couldn't be with us tonight, and particularly the UCC students who are still on vacation, would be protected from all harm and return to us safely in a couple of weeks. Um, we pray uh, that our hearts might be more deeply, all of our hearts might be more deeply converted to you, that we might know that you love us and um, that you wish us to follow you in everything. Um, we ask all these things through the intercession of Our Lady as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. See you all later, guys.